0: This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Bend Cultural Tourism Fund. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Kutosh, and today we are recording on-site at Mecca Grade Estate Malt in front of a live audience. (laughs) This is part of our Love Where You Ride series, and we just finished a fantastic bike ride, and our group of 25 is enjoying some wonderful beer they have at Mecca Grade Estate Mall. How's everybody doing today? Yeah. On our show today is Seth Klon, who is a master brewer and the owner and operator of Mecca Grade Estate Mall. Seth, thanks so much for hosting us and being here today. Yeah, thanks for coming out. So tell us, what is Mecca Grade Estate Malt?
1: Mecca Grade Estate Malt is, well, it's a malt house. And so what malt is, is a process that grain has to go through before it can be used in beer and whiskey. And what makes uh, Mecca Grade Estate Malt so, I guess, unique is the fact that when we talk about estate, it's kind of like a state vineyard and winery. We grow everything on site as far as the grain goes. We bring it here to the facility and then we malt it and then we make beer with it. From what I gather, we're about the only people in the entire country, as far as beer goes, that are doing all of those processes on site, which is really, really cool.
0: And when you say we malt it, what does that mean for the people that aren't too familiar with that?
1: Malting's like this process been, that's been around uh, for thousands of years. Um, ancient people figured out how to do it a long, long time ago. But basically what it is, is uh, taking a seed, getting it wet, growing it. And then instead of it becoming a plant, like it would in the garden or whatnot, we actually kiln it. So uh, we have a machine that we apply uh, warm air to it, and we dry it all the way back down. And so the difference between like a regular seed that you would eat, like a raw, like an unmalted kernel, it'd be kind of hard. Malt itself, it looks just like it, but when you eat it, it tastes like grape nuts. Beer is primarily uh, malted barley. I think the first people that were using malted barley were like the Egyptians. I mean, they had beer and the process has really kind of remain unchanged for thousands of years. And so we're doing some really cool like blending of old world tradition and with some of the machinery we have automating it and just trying to make it an even better process.
0: And you use that for yourself here, mm-hmm. but then you also have customers that you sell the malt to as well?
1: Yeah. What my job is, I run basically like the, the production facility. And so we sell kind of all over the Pacific Northwest. Um, a lot of the malt goes down to California, but uh, that's where most of the malt's actually going to, to breweries and distilleries. And so the, the small amount that we're using in our own brewery, I mean, it's pretty small compared to some of the, the, the people that we're getting it to. First person I started actually getting malt to is from Bend, is uh, Paul Arney at the Ale Apothecary. And so I started malting about, I think about 10 years ago actually, and then he was the very first commercial customer of ours. So we built this building about six years ago, but about two years prior to that, I had a small machine and it only made about 700 pounds a week, and then all that production was going to Paul uh, Arnie at his place. I basically ran a small prototype machine for two years, only supplying Paul all along as we were building out this, the rest of this facility. Wow.
0: Well, well, speaking of the facility, Mm -hmm. tell me just a little bit about what you have here and what's going on.
1: This is like, technically, this is like the original family homestead. So like when you come in the tasting room, you can see some of the photos that are on the display. My family came over here and homesteaded and they built, I live in the old homestead house across the driveway, but uh, they came over in 1905 and they homesteaded here. And so we're sitting on about uh, a little over a thousand acres, um, this whole property. Then our family continuously farms. I'm actually... I think our kids are eighth generation just in Oregon, as far as farmers go. They came over from the valley and they homesteaded here. And so agriculture has changed a little bit over the years and whatnot. Technically we're a century farm too. But when they, people come here, everything, like I said, everything's on site. I think that's what makes it really unique is like people can see, especially as the barley grows up and some of the wheat grows up, it's like you can see all the ingredients that go into the beer right from the tasting room in the malt house right here
0: how do you get into malting and what came first the brewer or the farmer tell me how that all kind of ties together
1: well i graduated from oregon state and actually a graphic design and marketing background (laughs) so i I, I worked in i went to go um, work in portland after school and i liked farming so much i decided to come back home and farm and so as far as the brewing and everything i'm completely self-taught that was something that wasn't something i pursued um, in, in college at all Um, At that time, they were just getting like the brewing science program kind of going in Oregon State. But I got home and I got kind of obsessed with homebrewing, And so I get pretty hyper focused on things. And then the next thing I know, it's like, oh, not only am I brewing, but I'm like trying to figure out how we can use the grain that we're growing on our own farm and malt it. And at the time, you know, this is like ten years ago, there really wasn't a lot of good information available about how to malt, And I had to kind of piece it together from a couple really obscure books. Most malting is done at really, really big companies, um, big factory malt houses, basically. Um, there's a one really, really big one uh, across the river from Portland and Vancouver that um, supplies most people's malt around here. But the idea of like kind of a boutique or a a state malt house really wasn't a thing when I started. A lot of it was like, I just had this idea that it'd be really cool to make a beer that came from our property. And one of the things that I was using in my own brewing was uh, red wheat that I was getting all the way from Germany. And that red wheat is something that we were growing on our farm at the time. And it's one of the more challenging things to actually to, to malt and to process, but I figured it out on a small scale in my garage. I was using like five gallon plastic buckets, built my own kiln out of like an old uh, upright freezer. I got it out. And the rest of the time, I was pretty much just convincing dad, um, who was the only other partner in this whole business, that it could scale and just kind of kept harassing him (laughs) until he wanted to partner up on the whole deal. But the idea is like to become more vertically integrated with what we'd have on the farm. And it's a really cool thing because like most people don't really think about the ingredients that go into beer. They might think about hops. Hops are kind of the cool ingredient and whatnot. But barley and grain... Which make up a lot of like that's where your color comes from. That's where a lot of your flavor comes from. It's something that and it's a process and a product that's really remained hidden to the consumer. And so that's one thing that we were hoping to change with that, um, especially around ag tourism, ag education, just having people be more aware of the ingredients. That are in their pint
0: when you started this did you feel i'm taking a big chance were you scared because like you said hey we, we create malt mm-hmm. that's so at least for someone like me that's such a obscure kind of thing Mm-hmm. no i mean it's still scary <laughs> a little
1: bit i mean we're kind of at the cutting edge of a lot of different things and but it, it makes it exciting too with farming it's always been like my family's had to change it up every once in a while because you can't just keep doing the same thing all the time. Um, When they first came to Oregon I mean they had a nursery over in the valley and they brought some of the first fruit trees to Oregon so they were doing apples back in the day and here on the farm we've done everything from uh, you know starting with dryland wheat when they first came here to Gosh, there's a lot of seed stock around matter. So we've grown potato seed, onion, radish, garlic, carrot seed, all sorts of different things. But the actual bringing in of people and kind of opening up to the public and and having selling our product directly to the community, that's a new thing for sure.
0: Do you like experimenting with the way you process the malt or Mm -hmm. the ingredients that you use?
1: Yeah. So like when I very first started, I kind of got a set product line and I did a lot of the experimentation early on. And now it seems about like half of what I'm malting is wheat, which I'd never really expected at the time. Um, If you've ever had like a hazy IPA, wheat is a component of that. That's what gives it the haze. A lot of what I'm doing, I actually have a big batch in right now is malting red wheat. And that's going down to, a lot of it's going down to California where they're using that at like 15% in, in hazy IPAs. Instead of having like a million different products, I've really tried to focus on just like single varieties of things. We grow and malt barley, red wheat, white wheat, and then rye. And of those, they're just single varieties of the actual barley. So the barley that we use, the variety is called full pint. It's all from the same farm, from the same, basically from the same type of soil. When I got into this, I wanted, there's this term like called terroir in, in wine where it's like the taste of place. And I thought that that could exist in, in beer. And so that's what I really wanted to, to prove but to be able to do that, you have to like eliminate variables. So where we're at, where it's 1,000 acres, all one block, all really similar soil, if you bring in one variety and you're malting it the same way and then you start noticing that it has a particular flavor, then you can say that, oh yeah, there is a flavor difference when it comes to grain. We know it exists in wine, but why shouldn't it exist in beer? And the only way you're gonna be able to do that is if you have kind of a setup like ours. But it's just a really, Really time-consuming, expensive way to, to prove kind of this point, but hopefully the beer tastes good at the end of the day. beer is <laughs> fantastic, and that's a, yeah. that's a perfect yeah. uh,
0: lead into my next question, which was what does it take to make a great beer?
1: Oh gosh, my personal philosophy is kind of less is more, mm-hmm. um, and so with a lot of our beers, like especially like this pills that we're drinking, there's only one malt in there. There's, we get all of our water from it's it's all municipal water. It's Opal Springs. Um, the water's awesome here in in town. It makes really good um, German lagers, is what we kind of specialize in. One hop, one malt, just keeping it simple and letting kind of the flavors and the ingredients shine in in that process.
0: And you've done a great job of. The end result with that. Yeah, thank you. It's fantastic. What's a big recent success that you have had recently? I've been really surprised with how
1: well the beer's been received. We've only been open to the public around Thanksgiving of last year. So busy out there in the malt house that I actually have a friend that comes and brews for me, like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So we have our own brewer now, Bailey's working in the tasting room, and just how well it's been received within the community once we started selling it basically, and um, kind of getting a a small following out here every weekend and whatnot, and just seeing that kind of grow that way. We're thinking more about, when we're talking about vertical integration, you can do all sorts of stuff here. I mean, you could take that, uh, you could expand the brewery, you can make whiskey with malt, like you can do all sorts of things here, just keeping kind of everything in house,
0: For us, how can we help support local farmers or brewers? I think I have an idea of part of this answer, but I want to hear from you.
1: Uh, Well, what do you think? I should should ask you.
0: Come in and drink a beer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Farmers in this community, we make... Products that kind of disappear into the world market and we never see them again. Whether it's wheat that's going to Japan, we never get to see really the end consumer of that product. And so I think that's one really cool thing that we're doing is like, you know, we're growing this thing in the field and we can see it translated into this finished pint that people can enjoy. And really, beer is about conversation. That's an easy in when you're talking about beer and having people kind of realize where some of this stuff is grown. A lot of people don't. And I think it's a really good conversation to have.
0: Nice, mm-hmm. Seth, we appreciate it. We wish you all the best in everything you do here and thanks for hosting us. Kevin and Linda, thanks for putting together a fantastic event and everybody else in the room, thanks for being a part of it. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you for coming.
0: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty Free Hub is a nonprofit organization fueled by your generous contributions. Find us at dirtyfreehub.org.